On my best days, I still need a savior. I can't appeal to him on the basis of my goodness. I'm here to learn how to accept his perfect life as my own so that I may say, I am who we are. Thanks for joining us on Life Journeys, a podcast about thriving through the worst pain that life brings. With global initiatives threatening big changes to our way of life, we're going to need to activate Jesus's words about mountain moving faith. Words That Work is the ongoing series on life journeys that is rooted in releasing revelational words of faith that will work every time and with everyone. It's about moving the mountains that keep us from the presence and goodness of God. It's about defining our life purpose and identity through encountering Him until we have the power to move the obstacles that are destroying our liberty and hope. I'm not walking out my faith to try to become the perfect creation of Christ. Jesus lives in perfection, and he has given me his life. To live established in his presence means accepting the holy life that he has imparted. On my best days, I do still need a Savior. Last week, we talked about who Jesus is as the one who was and is and is to come, And now in unlocking the presence of God, I want to look at verse 5 where he says that he is the first begotten of the dead. We ought to be able to say, I have been given life. It's Jesus's life. He has created a new life for me. It's his life and I'm a part of him. I am who we are. It's the new life of eternity, of God by inheritance, and is perfect, sinless, and unblameable before the throne of God. As an analogy, atoms are a part of all existence throughout all the stars and planets of the universe, and I too am made up of the same atomic substance, therefore being a part of the universe. I also am now a part of the substance of God of eternal deity and majestic glory. That's the new life that he gives. The Bible says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is above all things, and by him all things consist. In this world, our fundamental problem began with the simple elements of sin because we didn't believe God. To this day, we allow our lives to be defined by the earthly foundations of our intelligence, our morals, our flaws, and our unbelief. How we define our lives on earth has become profoundly damaged. We're unable to believe and grasp the glory that has been given to us that is supposed to define us and that will supply all we need, the Bible says, according to his riches in glory. Through the cross, you can say, my life is no longer characterized by the Old Testament law of Moses. If I am born again, there is no longer a list of commands that I have broken that interpret who I am. The law or principles that outlined my status as a dead man because of my sins, is gone. It's abolished in Christ. 
I have died with Christ and risen to a new life in him. Wherefore, the Bible says, if you are dead with Christ from the rudiments of the world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to its ordinances? With this amazing godly existence, our life here is accountable with what we have done and are doing with the new life of Christ. How are we driving this new life vehicle? How are we responding to and feeding the life from above? Are we living in faith and responding to the wonderful truth of who we are made to be in Christ? I lament how much I have embraced the world's definitions of what our life here is all about. I can easily interpret my standing with God based on how my body feels, how I have earned a living, what I have said and done, what others think of me, and what our carnal educational system has said about us. Interpreting who I am by these elementary principles, the Bible says, of this world, it well, it can create a huge sense of condemnation, fear, failure, self-esteem issues, doubts about God, creation and eternity, and about nations, governments, and how morals are set. All of these create inner conflicts that hammer away at who we have been created to be in the new birth of Christ. Carefully remember the verse that says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. If I can't internalize this, then encountering the presence of God and finding heaven's peace daily will be all but impossible. You see, what I'm after every day is the presence of God. And as I do that, I often think of this simple phrase, face to face, Lord, eye to eye, I want to see you. For example, we now are pressured to define what is just by social justice instead of divine justice. It's a blatant partaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, whereby we want to decide ourselves what is right instead of letting God do it. That was our fundamental sin. It came from sown seeds of doubt, deception, and denial. And today, many define what is moral by how much we hear the media hammer us with what should now be acceptable about everything from pronouns to athletics to what bathrooms people are allowed to use. People seek to find their identity by their sexual proclivities instead of finding their identity by the majesty of eternal life in Christ. Colossians says, And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled and not moved away from the hope of the gospel. In other words, if you died in the next minute, if you're born again, you would be presented holy and unblameable and unreprovable, the life 
that you have in Christ has no sin in it. But Paul says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. Spoil here means to cause to be. Beware lest you be caused to be through philosophy, which means in the Greek, either a zeal for or a skill in any art or science or any branch of knowledge. Beware lest you be caused to be who you are by the philosophy and wisdom of men and by vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world. The word rudiments in the Greek comes from an understanding of any first thing from which the others belonging to some composite whole take their rise, an element or a first principle, the elements, rudiments, the elements from which all things have come, the material causes of the universe. He says, take care that you don't define your life and become what the beginning principles of this materialistic world are all about. Instead of after Christ, he says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and powers. Complete in the Godhead. That means that you are made full to fill up, to be filled to the full, to cause to abound, to furnish your supply liberally. You're filled in the heart of God and in the intention of God with the fullness of his glory. By baptism, the church ought to be saying to the person who was baptized, this has been offered to you and made your right through Christ to accept as your being buried with him and risen to newness of life. Will you receive it? If you will, eternal salvation awaits you. If you refuse it, you shall be separated from the life of Christ for all eternity. Sadly, too many people put their faith in a ceremony in their past and don't live in its power by faith. The beauty of baptism, and I'm not talking about merely water baptism, but the spiritual reality is recognizing an act that happened long before we were ever born, and it is ours to accept. Paul teaches that you who have believed have been buried with Christ. It's an expression of faith without which the act of water baptism loses its efficacy altogether. But let's get beyond that. Baptism teaches us something very powerful. God sees you as having died when Christ died. Right now. But he won't apply that to your life until you believe it. It won't have the power it's intended to have in this world until we start to embrace the spiritual reality behind it. It's given to us as something to live, not to leave on the mantle of past accomplishments like a trophy. Paul says you were buried with Christ by baptism unto death. God sees the penalty for sin has been paid. When he died, you died. Why not see yourself as God sees you? That's what faith is. Therefore, he says we should walk in newness of life. Whose life? 
you have been given the right to accept your new life as the life of Christ. Therefore, act like it. Walk it out. Walk in it. Your new life is Christ's life. It's perfect, sinless, and blameless. Should you die today, you would be presented before the throne of God without sin. And knowing the stamp of divine royalty put upon you, that it carries with it the dignity to walk as Christ walked, that gives you power over sin, over shame, condemnation, and failure. As for me, I receive the reality of my true and real spiritual experience that my old life of this world is dead. I am buried with Christ and have a new life. I am dead to the deception, doubt, and denial of this world about who I am. This world's wisdom, its science, history, arts, and philosophies have no knowledge about my eternal life substance. My failures, successes, carnal knowledge, and influences of men's words and actions have no bearing whatsoever on who I am. Hateful words don't determine my hope or present well-being. Accusations and assaults do not determine my value. Accomplishment has no bearing on my identity. Social justice, media influences, and man's educational halls have no power to determine my life definition. My own opinions, emotions, accommodations, possessions, and physical capabilities hold no credible insights into who I am. I am defined and made complete by the Creator and King of the universe, Jesus Christ. Jesus causes me to be, from moment to moment, and from today into eternity. Neither governments nor politicians can imprison my life's being. I am unchangeably created in the image of Christ, and I have the call and command by God's choice to walk worthy of Christ in me. You can unlock the presence of God in your life. There are revelation principles that remove the mountains, keeping us from joy, hope, peace, and purpose when our world gets turned upside down. Look for these words that work with Pastor Hardica as he shares what has helped him when life got hard. And don't forget to check out his book, The Fortress and the Firebrand, available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Thanks for listening to Life Journeys. Find new episodes every Wednesday and Saturday. And if you're new to this series, it begins with the September 16th episode. On my best days, I still need a Savior. I can't appeal to Him on the basis of my goodness. I'm here to learn how to accept His perfect life as my own, so that I may say, I am who we are. He has created a new life for me. It's His life, and I'm a part of Him.